Hi Happy Enders! It is another week and are we ready to relax? <laughs> I don't know, I'm working on shit. We'll see. Um, so this episode is another old school comedian, which is super cool. This is Joey Gaynor. Joey Gaynor has been in the business for quite some time. He's done a bunch of things. He was in the comedy store. He was there during the strike. He talks about the comedy store. He talks about music. He talks about everything. It's really cool. This is a really good episode. Um, I really like talking to the old school comedians and just finding out like how it used to be to how is it how it is now. And he's talking about how the generation is now coming up to him and asking him about the old school days. And it just it's really cool that we're bridging the gap. And I love it. And like I said, this is just an awesome interview. Um, thanks to Care by Design, Absolute Extract. You guys have kept my arms from falling off and I love you guys dearly. Please go and get Care by Design and Absolute Extract products. They are exceptional. And um, like, click, subscribe, comment. Email me at joyshappyendings at gmail.com and enjoy. Get undressed, get under the sheets. No, I promise this is not a dream. It's just a happy ending with Joy Eileen. All right. Oh, this is awesome. Yay! All right, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. All right. Uh, my name is Joey Gator, and uh, I... I'm not Yasser Arafat, although I look like that, for those of you who remember him. He was the Palestinian guy while they were bombing him, running around with his phone going, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Could we? Could we hear I him? I don't know. Ah. So. So. This is exciting. I, I'm very excited. As a matter of fact, in three states, I'd be in jail right now. That's how excited I am. Me too. <laughs> in five states, we'd be married. Oh. Oh, why, are you under 15? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, I don't. Oh, going back to 15, that would be bad. Well, the only good thing about that was the Knicks won the world championship, but that was it. <laughs> other than that, it wasn't so great. Are you a sports fan? Uh, yes. What's uh, your game? Is that right? I'm not a sports well, fan, obviously. I, I like, uh, actually, there's several things I like. I actually, well, I like baseball, football, hockey, basketball. I also like cricket, and I like rugby. Oh, so you and, like the hard stuff. Well, cricket is a, 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 when I had TMJ and I was really sick, I couldn't really do anything, and everything would be really, uh, I'd watch TV or whatever, and I would get headaches just watching TV. It just seemed, and then I stumbled on the cricket channel, like 24 hours of There's cricket. A, okay. And I was so ill that it seemed like baseball from Bizarro Land. And uh, I learned cricket, and I watched it. And uh, seriously, it, it, was, it was a very comforting thing to watch because there's no foul balls. Wherever they hit a ball, it's in play. So Okay. It's pretty cool. And uh, I also like rugby. I think that's a great game. Uh, and I've been a big wrestling fan, and I've also been an announcer and a wrestling manager, pro wrestling uh, Oh, really? For the last 30 years, yes. Okay, my eight-year-old has just discovered wrestling. Uh -oh. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he is in it to win it. Yeah, you got to teach him not to jump off the couch with a knee drop on his six-year-old nephew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I also have to teach him. He's the one who he wants to do stand up. I've actually taken him to open mics because I'm a good mom. <laughs> <laughs> so I had And the to, kid's good. He knows his drinks. He he doesn't <laughs> drink more than the, than the minimum. So well, true. he was mad because he realized his older brother is going to get to come to the comedy store first. Oh. And he's like, Mom. He's like, I'll just take his ID. I'm like, Brody, you can't come in as an eight-year-old with a 21-year-old ID. Not if he's wearing a mustache. That would be very funny as a video, actually. <laughs> kid's wearing a mustache. He's got his brother's ID. And the, Doorman's a little drunk, so he lets him in. He's like, oh, he's. Somebody told me to have him come in with Brad Williams, so they're both like the same size. Tell him he's Alan Bursky Jr. <laughs> Bursky <coughs> Jr. <laughs> Bursky was the other youngest comic to do. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to do the Tonight Show, and the second youngest, I believe, that I know of, is uh, uh, Byron Allen. I don't know if anybody since then has been. 15 or 16 doing the Tonight Show. Oh, really? They were that young? Yeah. Oh, Gabriel Iglesias might be the only other youngest comedian, I think. Huh. Because he started when he was like 11 on Nick at Night doing stand-up. God, I wish I would have started earlier. Or on Nickelodeon. Well, we all wish we started. Look, I started when I was 19. I'm very lucky. Yes. So I had, you know, they say the first 50 years of this business is is the hardest. So I only have about four more hard years and then I'm all set. I'll be dead. (laughs) Yay. They'll be like, she was good, her last set. No, it's it's all relevant. I mean, I I started here in 1976 on the Ides of March, March 15th. Okay. I had, I, I really didn't know, I wanted to be a musician. I came out here right out of high school. My family moved out here. We drove out here and I uh, had a lot of family that was here so it was comfortable and but the it, it was really hard to make the uh the culture shock was really different it was just completely different where'd you move out here from uh moved out from new jersey okay and uh we lived in whittier i knew whittier uh, okay yeah whittier's a, a good town it really is and what was cool was i started to come to hollywood to it made hollywood more special because i had to drive from whittier to hollywood uh-huh i get it, that you know, when you live here, you're like, I hate this. I wish they'd burn it down. But when you're 25 miles away, it's like, hey, I got to go to Hollywood. So anyway. That's how I am. I live in Santa Clarita. So. Oh, there you go. Yep. And um, uh, so I, I saw Freddie. My uncle had a ticket office that I worked for. And uh, I went to a lot of concerts. I mean, ridiculous amount of concerts. I love it. And I went to see the Rolling Stones when they were young. I <laughs> I saw some great performers, but uh, we went to see at the amphitheater uh, when it was an open top theater, when it existed actually. Uh, we went to see uh, Helen Reddy, and her opening act was Freddie Prince. We really went to see Freddie Prince. Okay. We, we only stayed like through three songs of Helen Reddy when she started singing the farm song. You know, I knew a farmer, and he, I was like, okay, let's get out. <laughs> We're done. We're so, uh, yeah, we heard Me Against the World. That was enough. <laughs> so, we, uh, I, I saw Freddie Prinze, and I was blown away. I thought, this guy's amazing. And uh, about a, this was in August of uh, 75, and about two months, three months later, it was in October of 75, I saw Richard Pryor three out of seven nights at the uh, Schubert Theater, which was over in uh, Century City. Okay. And each time I sat in the 10th row, 4th row, 3rd row. And I was just the most explosive, I think the greatest stand-up that I have ever seen. And I've seen just about everybody that of that time. I, I don't know all the guys now, but... 
Right. I would. I would. I would still lay odds. There's very few guys who could compete with him toe to toe. He was the most magnificent stand-up I ever saw, and I. Uh, I heard he was working his material out at the comedy store in Hollywood, and I'd heard at a comedy store years before, when I was in high school, in uh, seventy three or seventy four, seventy four before I graduated, PBS re-ran a special from the improv in uh, in New York and Jimmy Walker was on it and Steve Landisberg and Marvin Braverman, Mike Preminger, uh, a lot of guys were on the show, Lenny Schultz and uh, uh, they did an interview after that and they said since the improv is opened in LA and there's another place, the comedy store and he talked about that very briefly so I kind of heard of it and I went uh, into Hollywood, I found the comedy store and I, I, I wasn't old enough to get in, so I dressed like I was older. I had an afro at the time, and I wore my tennis hat down over it, and I had my leisure suit jacket on and a big collar shirt, like a hang glider and <laughs> collar, you know, and a uh, mustache, beard. Get my voice up here. You know, I get <laughs> and Johnny Witherspoon, who just passed away, was the MC of the doorman. He was a really great comic. I've had the, I had the good fortune to work with him on a lot of Robert Towns and stuff, and five heartbeats and just a lot of stuff Johnny was great and uh, uh, he he let I bought a ticket and I got in he kept looking at me and then the next time I came he let me in free and he told the girl at the door let him in he's a narc <laughs> I thought it was a narcotics cop so I kept that look for a while because I was getting in and then um, I, I was very lucky because I wanted to do this <clears throat> I really wanted to do this and um I really didn't know what to do, and I was here, like, I would be here, like, five nights a week hoping I'd see Richard Pryor, but I started to see a guy named Paul Mooney, uh-huh. and he was writing for Richard Pryor. He wrote for Richard. So Paul Mooney was uh, fantastic. That's the oil boy that just came down the stairs. Here. <laughs> oil uh, boy? Yeah, the oil boy. <laughs> and so... Uh... uh uh, I'm sorry, the oil boy made me forget what I was... Oh! <laughs> anyway, I would watch Paul Mooney every night. And that was amazing. And then I was finally getting my guts up to try to do this because they said any night, on a Monday night, anybody can get up and do five minutes. And I never came here on a Monday night. I would never come on a Monday night because okay. I figured that's going to be a disastrous looking thing. And I don't want to be all scared away by it and whatever. So when I finally... Uh, was going to do this I, I had the good fortune of being able to talk to guys like D- David Letterman Jay Leno uh, uh, well Michael Preminger Mitch Walters these were all guys that were hanging around at the time me and Nargis Hamilton started right at the same time and uh, there was a fellow named Steve Landisberg who was one of my another one of my favorite all time comedians and uh, I, I walked up to him and I had been talking to him because I had met him and I said uh, very cocky I was very cocky about it I said uh, so Steve you know uh, I want to go up on Monday night but they only give me five minutes I mean is that enough time to get him going <laughs> and he looks at me very deadpan because he was like six foot two and I'm five eight and he goes is that enough time <laughs> it's a fucking eternity if you ain't funny <laughs> and like it took all the wind out of me I was like oh come on can you tell me what I need to know <laughs> Please, and, uh, sir. Yeah, please, sir. Can I have some more advice? <laughs> and we went next door to the old Hyatt house in the coffee shop, and 
uh, Lauren Tews brought us coffee. She went on to be on the love boat. <laughs> it's like everybody who had a career at that time. <laughs> and um, we sat for about an hour, and he explained to me how uh, don't hang around up there when you're not getting laughs. Don't don't abuse the, the thing. I mean, Well, we all abuse the light at yep. times, but that's different after you know what you're doing, then you're an asshole. But... Um, <laughs> He told me, "Don't. It's five minutes. If you got three, do three. If you got two, do two. That's so, really good advice for a new person. Actually, yeah, it's the best advice you could ever have. And so I, I went and I took a month and I wrote an act. And part of it was Richard Pryor doing the weather. And I, <laughs> as Richard Pryor in the bit, I said the N word. Nobody complained. <laughs> Everybody was laughing because it's 1976 and we weren't all hating each other and." But again, it's not a word I want to throw around. It's just at that time I was doing Richard Pryor, so you were being Richard Pryor. Yeah, I got away with it, and uh, and it was uh, it because I I all said well anyway anyway uh, I was so dirty um, up there. I really was dirty, and I I had jokes that like every other joke I would say motherfucker because I didn't. I just was I was so scared, and. Uh, I came off, and I did really well. I mean, surprisingly, and I had a lot of ethnic. I mean, today they would call me a racist. I walked on, but I had been schooled by Paul Mooney and these guys. Right. And I walk on stage, and I looked at the front row, and I went, "Oh, all the black people are sitting up front." I thought the stage was in the back. Shit. <laughs> and it it got this reaction of like a, a laugh and a ooh, and then a laugh, and the and the black people looked at me like, "Oh, I see. He's bent. All right." This guy's like fucked up. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> and then from there, it was, you know, it, it was, I still have the tape. It was pretty funny. But Missy called me over after I finished. I was sitting next to this actor uh, who went on to be an actor, Leo Rossi, the fellow who's done so many movies. And uh, you'd recognize him immediately if you saw him. Okay. And uh, good looking Italian fellow. Got a, a, he's just really good. And, uh, he was sitting there with me, and he had gone on, and I sat down next to him, and we'd been talking. He was from Philly. I'm from Jersey. We're commiserating, and I sit down, and I go, well, I uh, I don't know, man. This guy was really dirty. I was so scared. He goes, yeah, that was dirty. And so Howard Taylor, who I was telling you about before the show, was, uh -huh. he was the MC on Monday nights, and Howard was so deadpan and so sad looking all the time. He would, If he walked up to you and said, you know, I just won the, uh, I just won the lottery. Forty million dollars. I mean, what the fuck am I going to do with forty million dollars? I mean, Jesus, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> I can't take this. So he comes up to me and he goes, uh, "The owner would like to talk to you." Uh, and I'm just—I looked at Leo and I went, "Well, I guess I'm getting banned." Nice <laughs> to meet Leo. I'm going to go. It's nice meeting so you. I walk over to Mitzi's table. I had no idea who she was. Uh, I had heard people make jokes about her on stage. I had no idea who she was. I sat down. She because she signed me in. And I thought she was just in charge of signing or something. Uh-huh. And Missy, in those days, it was cool. You'd sign up. Everybody got on. Just about everybody. That's <sighs> it. it went till 2 o'clock. Just about everybody got on. And she gave you a ticket for, like, soda, juice, coffee, whatever. Uh-huh. And um, she sits me down, and she goes, So, Joey Gaynor. <laughs> I go, Yeah, how, how are you? I'm sorry about... Hey, so how long are you doing stand-up? <laughs> I said... Well, I, you know, that's my first time, but I'm, and I'm trying to apologize for being dirty. <laughs> and I go, well, it's my first time, and, and, you know, I'm sorry. Oh, my God, you're wonderful. Oh. 
I want you to go to Westwood next week. I'm putting you on in the new place because you're too young to be in here, but I see you got in. <laughs> nice. I see you hanging around here. So she had seen me hanging around, hanging around. Everybody thought I was a nut. Uh, oh, that's my phone. That's probably my, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's probably a creditor. <laughs> uh, who would call me at this time of the day? I told him I'd be doing this. Uh, I, I don't think so. It's too late in the day. Anyway, uh, by the way, that's called the phone ring tone if you have an Android. <laughs> there are many tones for the Android. All of them suck. They're like, ba-bing, ba-bing. you can't fucking hear them. It doesn't matter. And all cell phones suck. I don't care what you say. All I right. completely agree. But anyway, that's uh, I, I started to do stand-up, and then it took me like two years to really know what I was doing. She fired me from... The list about ten times. <laughs> Come back when you're funny. Oh. Well, the, the, the one night, what also happened was one night, it was uh, winter of 76, coming into the, well, not, it was, yeah, it was like December, and I went on in Westwood in front of Jimmy Walker, and it was a Sunday night show, and uh, I had been... Robin Williams had come down here, and a lot of us started to work wild, which means we would go up and not stand in front of the mic and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. He really opened the door to, to act out bits, and the guy was a fucking genius. I mean, you're never going to tell me any different. And so I was doing really wild stuff on stage, and Jimmy Walker was waiting to go on, and he's in the back going, this guy's hostile. <laughs> I can't stop. He's hostile, Mitzi. So Mitzi... He took me off the lineup for a year. Oh, shit. A and whole then, year? Yeah, and then I came back. A little more, actually. And then I came back, like, in September of 78. And, uh, that's when I blew the roof off the joint and finally got got back in as a regular. But by then, I had learned from Mitch Walters and Biff Maynard and uh, the late Kip Adada, uh And Biff is gone, too. But uh, I, I learned from them and uh, Argus and uh, Ronnie Kenny. Uh, these were all my friends, and they all liked me, Ollie Prater, and they sat me down, and they really taught me how to write jokes, especially Mitchell. Mitchell Walters really uh, was the first guy to really uh, uh, indoctrinate me on how to write jokes, how to set up a bit. And um, I got, it was really funny, I got back on as a regular, and within a month, I was doing a pilot. 24 of us did a pilot for Canary Productions in England called The Comedians. Okay. And that was George Wallace is on it. Mike Binder. Uh, uh, oh God, I can't think. Uh, Ar- I think Argus did it. I know Ollie Prater did it. Uh, uh, Ronnie Kinney. Uh, just there was so many guys. Not all of us from the comedy store, but the majority of us were. Uh huh. And um, that was really great to work with all these great uh, comics starting out and getting something like that. And. Uh, uh, it's it's um, it's really funny because I re- getting back to Robin Williams real quick when he first came down here in like the summer of '76. That's why I call it kind of a magic summer. A lot of stuff was happening, right? And he came down and he performed in the uh, at Westwood and he was doing a preacher guy. <laughs> and it was hysterical, <laughs> and uh, I started to talk to him. We started we became friendly. You know, uh, the following Sunday I was at the Improv for the. Uh, sign up night on Sunday nights they had a potluck they had singers and they had uh, comedians and I'm sitting at the bar with them and we're talking and I said uh, you know I'm I'm working on a bit where famous people imitate other famous people 
but I don't know where I'm going to go with it. And I said, he said, what do you mean? I said, well, it's like Lawrence Welk doing Richard Pryor. Hey, motherfucker, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I want to end the two. And he goes, oh, I like that. Hey, you know, I have a bit. Um, it's uh, uh, Maybe I can help you with something. Maybe you can trade. I said, well, I'm doing this. I want to do a mafia game show bit. And when in 30 seconds he gives me, well, Mrs. Capitelli, is your husband in trunk number one, trunk number two, or trunk number three? <laughs> yeah. Is that his hand or is it a banana? I mean, he goes on and on. So I get all these jokes together. I'm all excited. Okay, yeah, you can do this thing. Go ahead and do it. And I'm figuring, what's he going to do with that? I mean, how do you do that? How are you going to make Lawrence Welk Richard Pryor? How do you... So I didn't think about it. Uh-huh. About 10 minutes later, Bud Friedman comes over and, Robin, you're on next, uh, blah, blah, blah. So Robin goes into the room, and I go into the room behind him. And they announce him, and he goes on stage. He hits the stage, and he goes, let's get down and get a funky. Each and every member of my band, there's a motherfucker in his own right. A one and a two, a come on. <laughs> and he took it, he took it, and I stood there, and I went, wow, that's how you write a bit. He just took it to the stratosphere. He turned Lawrence Welk into Get Down, Get Funky. And uh, and when he came off stage, he went, yeah, I think that's going to work. <laughs> I said, yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, he he's the guy that got me into San Francisco because uh, in the late 80s, during the, boom, the really hard boom, uh, San Francisco was a hotbed and everybody was trying to get in. And if you were an L.A. comic, they didn't want no party and they're very provincial. Okay. And so I was up there working one-nighters for a, uh, an outside promoter, and the guy takes me to the Holy City Zoo. And they let me get up at the end of the night and do seven or eight minutes. And I met Barry Sobel and Monty Hoffman and Amazing Jonathan and Will Durst and some guys who were hanging out. It was cool. And uh, they told me they don't hire L.A. Comics, blah, blah, blah. At the time, I didn't know Robin owned the Holy City Zoo. He was an owner. Okay. So I'm back up there a couple of months later, and uh, I go to the Holy City Zoo again. I walk in, and they're all, oh, well, you know, we don't hire people, da-da-da. And uh, as I turn to leave, Robin comes in, gives me a big hug. Hey, my friend, blah, blah, blah. And we're hugging, and the two guys that were running the place are looking at each other like two shit salesmen with a mouthful of samples. <laughs> and, uh, and so... They're all oh, well, how about I got you there, man? Send us all your stuff so we know how to promote when we book you. And I sent them my uh, my stuff, and uh, and I started to work a lot in San Francisco and do Alex Bennett's morning radio show, which was huge there, and uh, was able to cultivate uh, an audience up there at the time. And it was, uh, and, and and so there, you know, that's another thing about Robin. I just uh, he was not a a. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, I, I would say he was not a, uh, a greedy guy in any way, shape, or form. Uh, maybe on stage he was greedy, but off stage he wasn't, he wasn't a greedy guy. So you don't think there was anything to the him stealing bits or anything like that? He stole from people. He paid people. Okay. You know, um, he wanted to buy my Frank Sinatra bit, and I wouldn't sell it to him because, really, it's all I had to close my act. <laughs> And I said, well, why don't you have me come on the tonight show and do it? He goes, no, that won't work. I said, I can't, Robin. I, I, I don't know. What, what, what am I going to come up with? That's a big, you know, it's one of the biggest things I do. And they're starting to hire me because I do that. So what am I going to do if I give you that, you know? Right. And, uh, uh, you know, but he paid Steve Pearl money for bits that he used and caught up with, got caught up with. He paid Joey Kamen money for bits that he got so robin was when you'd catch him he'd pay you okay <laughs> but um you know i i i always uh i really feel very lucky that i got to know so many uh 
so many great performers. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. On. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, there's a lot of great people here now. There is. Kidding? There's a lot of well, fantastic every, people. Every, I'll tell you what, there are more great people here now than there might have been 10 years ago. Okay. I'm not kidding. Because um, I started hanging around here about seven years ago. Okay. And That's... that was just us, me and my husband were <laughs> trying to get away from the kids, and we'd go and watch comedy. Like, I didn't even... Like, I knew I liked being on stage. Like, I did the high school graduation speech. Anytime right. there was a microphone, I'm like, I want to touch that. <laughs> but I didn't know. And then um, Steve Simone was on stage, and he was bombing. Just There was a very drunk, blonde chick who just threw him off so badly. <laughs> and at one point, she stopped. He was telling a joke, and she's like, excuse me. And he stopped, and he's like, yes. And she's like, I have a joke to tell you. Like, I can help you get laughs. And Steve's, he went off on her and screamed and left the stage and then came back, and he's like, I'm sorry. You're obviously going through something, and gave her a hug. And then he got on stage, and he goes, I know what everybody's thinking right now. Everybody thinks they can be a stand-up comedian. And my husband goes, nope. And I go, yep. <laughs> and that's how it all, I was like, yeah, I want to start doing that. Well, everybody gets inspired in a different way. Yeah. You know, um, you know I mean, uh, when I when I was living in Houston and I was part of the, the, the uh, Houston Comedy Annex and the workshop uh, for quite a while when I was living there, like, that's where I used to <clears throat> hang out with Bill Hicks and some Andy Hug and some really great funny comedians down there and uh, we used to talk about stuff like that you know it, it's really funny because uh, I'm eating uh, eating with Bill Hicks at a Chili's and uh, he looks up at me and he goes man you know I'm still kind of coming down from that acid I took like four days ago Oh, shit. I said, really? He goes, yeah, last night I was playing poker, and I had uh, two jacks, a queen, and two hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, wow. <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I feel really good because I'm in a, uh, I got to be in a cult classic comedy concert film with uh, Chris Rock and Bill Hicks and uh, Tim Allen. Uh, Stephanie Hodge, uh, Steve Pearl, uh, lots of great people in uh, Ottawa, George, Jackie Martley, Ben Creed's the host. It's called Comedy Studious Dozen. And uh, we did that a long time ago. <laughs> but it's amazing how many young comics come up to me and ask me about that film and Bill Hicks and what was it like. And uh, I'm glad that they do. I mean, seriously, uh, I'm glad that they're interested in the history of comedy because it's like it's it's just like the government if you don't know your history you got no future i agree and um i'm meeting more and more young comedians who uh watch the marx brothers and and uh go back and see because really it, the marx brothers films in about less than well just about 10 years coconuts is going to be a hundred years old Oh my and yet that film, I will bet you, will still hold up against any comedy today. Right. Uh, for, the, for the writing. Not for the technical aspects. Right. But as far as the writing and the jokes. Uh, you, you can. So there's only seven premises, and you know we all have to take them and, and work them the best we can. But uh, it's, I just feel uh, really blessed that I got to like 
you know, in this building open for Richard Pryor and and uh, and then go on the road to people like the Smothers Brothers and Slappy White, who was great. Slappy White was always on the Red Fox show. He's an older black comedian, a real, uh, he's an icon and, uh, and a legend. And I'm working with him in Austin and every day he, he'd play golf and stuff. We'd go, after the show, we'd go out in Austin at night. We'd go to a club, and uh, we'd walk up to the club, and the guy at the door would go, oh, my God, it's Red Fox. Oh, come on in, Mr. Fox, whatever you want, you know. <laughs> and so the first three nights, we go into this club, that club, and we're going in, and uh, it's Red Fox, you know. So uh, I'm sitting with him on Thursday morning. We're having breakfast, and I said, Slappy, you know, doesn't it, uh, doesn't it bother you that... Uh, like, we go to these clubs, and everybody thinks you're Red Fox. And he was smoking a cigar and reading the USA Today, and I'll never forget, he never even took the paper down. He went, <laughs> we're getting in free, ain't we? <laughs> I said, yeah, we are getting everything free. You're right, Mr. Fox. Where are we going tonight? <laughs> and we did. Everywhere we went the whole week, we were comped, everything. Whether it was <sighs> golf, whether it was food, it didn't matter. I love it. And... Uh, he was another, if you ever watched Sanford and Son Slap, he was on there a lot. As, okay. Uh, one of his uh, one of his buddies. And uh, see, it, that's the thing is like uh, all of these guys, there was so much to learn from them. And uh, I did a an interview with, uh, of all places, well, everybody knows, well, not everybody, but I've known a lot about ghosts and stuff here at the comedy uh -huh. store and all that. And... Uh, there's a show on uh, late at night called Coast to Coast. It used to be about UFOs and stuff. It still is, but they're a little too Trumpy for me. But anyway, I got interviewed on it in uh, 2001, and uh, with Ian Punnett, we were talking about uh, why so many young comedians pass away. Why so in this day and age comedians pass away so young? Uh huh. And we were talking about Sam Kinison, John Candy, John Belushi, uh, Chris Farley, the drug overdose or whatever. And I and he said, uh, why is it like Bob Hope and George Burns and Milton Berle, these guys live to be 95 years old? I said, well, there's a big difference, and it's very simple. Bob Hope and George Burns and uh, Milton Berle, they went to bed at night. They didn't <laughs> stay up for six days at a time, completely fucked up out of their mind. <laughs> And then trying to try, you know, drinking three gallons of coffee, trying to straighten out. <laughs> so, you know, it's um, there is a big difference there. There is. And uh, uh, you know, it's uh, and that's what I've seen through here. I mean, I've seen so many guys who, uh, well, during the cocaine years, I I never did coke. Uh, I could count the kilos that I ever did. No, I, I never did cocaine. That wasn't my bag. But um, I noticed a lot of guys who did it and then quit years later died because I guess they had damage, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, that was a that was not my favorite. Uh, I'm a pot guy. I won't lie about it. See, I've never done any of it. <laughs> oh, Alex. And in fact, Brody used to have a joke that 80% of comedians smoke pot and the other 20% aren't funny. Oh. And he did that joke and I was all, oh my God, I'm never gonna be funny. Oh, like I, funny. I panicked, I'm all, oh my God, that's I gotta really quit. Funny. <laughs> He's pretty much right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
No, there's there's guys that uh, are completely straight now and are very fun. I mean, Argus Hamilton celebrating uh, 33 years. Yeah, I mean, sobriety. He's, he's his doing great. soberness is almost as old as I am. So. <laughs> you know, that's funny. He wrote that on Facebook, it's 33 years, and one of my comments went, 33 years, wow, that's almost as old as the kid I don't know about. <laughs> so, uh, but... Um, this is a really nice massage. This is good. Oh, thank you. It's been an interesting week. I've been to the Lowell Cafe, and now I'm getting massaged while I'm being interviewed. Today. <laughs> With my face looking like, you know, some sort of mummified zombie. Your face is perfect. 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 It's perfect. <laughs> oh. No, I love the stories. This is, oh, like, my favorite. You know, gosh, this place... It, it, this place is just so crazy. Um, I used to like to have fun on the door. Uh, like when they were Robert De Niro was going to do the movie King of Comedy. He was coming in every night to see Richard Belzer. And at that time, I mean, like, huge movie stars were coming in here to hang out. It was like the place to be seen. And um, so Robert De Niro comes in one Saturday night. I'm, I'm in awe because, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, he comes up to me after the show, because I, I emceed and I sat everybody, and that's what we did. And he comes up to me and he goes, so you emcee uh, here and you, you seat the room and you, 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 you do everything. I said, yeah, I kind of do that. And as I'm talking to him, I realize he's standing there with me and I'm, I'm resetting the room for the second show. So I said to him, hand me that chair. And he goes, yeah. Then it was, help me move this table. So I got him to reset the whole room with me. I love it. And when we were done talking, I went, hey, nice working with you. He went, <laughs> oh, oh, you got me to do the work. Oh, you fucking, it's really funny. <laughs> and then uh, uh, there's been a lot of times like that. There's been some uh, uh, really uh, amazing people come through here. And uh, um, and and if you see any of the year Comedy Store yearbooks and stuff, the photos bear it all out. Uh-huh. And uh, I have photos of the night we crowned Richard Pryor king of comedy in the main room. That was really great. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I'm trying to, I have a few more of them. I want to put them up on Facebook. I have to do that so that Jeff uh, Scott can get a hold of them. Oh, I love Jeff Scott. Jeff is a great guy. I am trying <laughs> to help him write his memoirs because I'm an author. Ah. And I keep, like, he'll send me stories. And I'll flesh them out, and I'll get them all ready. And I have, like, chapters done. And I'm like, okay, give me more. And he's like, hold on. I'm like, no. <laughs> I want more. He, um, um, we did back, and I think it was either 2011 or 12. No, I think it was 2011. We did on Halloween, the month of October, where there was a Halloween thing here where, where they did a ghost uh, tour. And that was before this was all podcast uh -huh. studio. This was uh, just barren down here with junk stored. And uh, it was just a typical basement. And for four nights, we did the ghost tour. And it was the first night, me and Blake Clark appeared on it. And it was a half house in the main room. And word got out that the guys from Unsolved Mysteries are there. Well, Blake didn't want to do any more of them. He doesn't like doing or talking about that stuff. But I came in the next, the, all four weeks I came in, and like the crowds got bigger every week Ugh. because it's it's huge. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't know 
what was going on, and I get a message from Argus like a year later. Hey, you know, you got four checks sitting at the company. <laughs> I said, what? And he said, you got four checks here. So I came, and they were all out of date. And so the manager took them, and they made new checks for me, and I made something like, uh, I mean, shit, it was like three grand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> It was great because I didn't know I was getting paid for the show. I was You're like, just wow. just having fun. Is... Yeah, it was great. I went out and bought all kinds of fucking dope. I went <laughs> I made Artie Lang look like a fucking monk that night. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's really funny. I have a New Jersey accent. It comes out a lot. I'm half Italian. People think I'm, like, in the mob or something. <laughs> And friends of mine, they're like, well, you know, you sound like a guy who did things. I'm like, yeah, I, I did things. Yeah, I did things. Yeah. See, yeah, I have the mom things. accent, and it comes out a lot. And I will mom people, and not on purpose. <laughs> and the finger will come out, and I'm like, you need to. I'm like, oh, I, I should stop that. You're not my child. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, if you got me and Joey Diaz in a room and we start talking, they think we're plotting to take over a fucking bank. <laughs> What you, you need throw, to do is plot. Throw, throw Jimmy Schubert in there. And, and, uh, the other night, uh, I, when was it, a week ago, I was here. Uh, we did Argus' show thing and blah, blah, blah. And Jimmy Schubert walked up, and uh, we immediately start going into our fake mob fight stuff. And he's grabbing me, and he goes, I could snap your neck. I'm pointing my finger in his stomach going, I got it pressed against your heart. Go ahead. Make your move. Make your move. <laughs> it's all dialogue. It's nothing. And... The youngsters were out there, and they were all looking like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, is this another Columbine? Oh, comedy Columbine. Oh. Comedy Columbine. And then we're like hugging, hey, how you doing? And oh, it's called acting. <laughs> Fun fact, Jimmy Schubert was the first person to get naked on this Oh, I, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, <laughs> Now, Jimmy is not going to be scared to get naked. Nope, he got complete. He was the first one. And then That's I told so Maz Jabrani, and Maz Jabrani goes, wait, Jimmy got naked? And then Maz got naked. And I was like, okay. I would get naked, but if I got naked, you'd have to move the walls back and shit to fit my... <laughs> my junk so that's why i don't get oh, i appreciate you keeping your junk in yeah it's, uh... oh here comes the here comes the guy now to uh, give me another uh <laughs> yep. you the oil boy that's right ah the oil boy is back I some hot oil. Ooh. right out of the right from the popcorn machine no it is not milky i do not use milky oil oh that's that was different. I haven't had a massage this, this nice since I got lost in Chinatown. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, I love it. Uh, how long have you been a masseuse? 12 years, ah. July. So, right. yeah. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to um, get out of it. It would be nice. I've been at the same chiropractor for 12 years. Oh. Without a raise. Well, <laughs> yes, I would say that, well, you know, there's always ways to make up that money. Things like toilet paper, paper towels. Sheets. I sheets, pillowcases. And the occasional Norco, if, able to, <laughs> if they happen to be able to prescribe Norco. I don't know. I think 
No, I'm pretty bad. Like, for a big girl, I'm real lightweight when it comes to drugs. So. You know what's funny? I can't take that stuff like Vicodin or Norco, like, recreationally. It doesn't. I can't. It it's, makes me sick to my stomach. It doesn't work. you got to have real bad pain. To uh-huh. Take and, uh, you know, I... It's, it's rough because people take that for pain, then they get hooked, and it's very hard to get it's, off the opiate. It's very hard. In fact, though, um, Care by Design, the CBD lotion that I'm using on you, mm -hmm. they made me this huge bottle of CBD lotion. I've been using it on my patients, and it's been helping a lot of their pain. So that's really cool. Like, oh, that's fine with me. Being yeah. able to get all that. So. Yeah, this is a great massage because I'm feeling muscles pop that have been knocked tight like in knots for what's left of my muscles. <laughs> I know. I'm sad that it's uh, coming to an end. Uh, you have to come back. Oh, I would love to. Okay. What I'm, time? I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> I would, though. I really, because I'm not done talking. I'm not getting, I'm not done with all your stories yet. Oh, I haven't even, you know, you, all you got to do is ask me, and I'm an open book. Okay. Except about my sex life, because there's really nothing to talk about. <laughs> That's a pamphlet. It's not yes. a book. That, I don't even think it's a pamphlet. It's, it's more like a uh, like a report card. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, How awful would that be if you got a report card after sex? Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> awful when. Uh, people that would improve, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a girl tell me once I kissed like a seventh grader, and I was excited because I was in third. <laughs> Ooh, <Hey>. fancy. <laughs> but, uh, oh. See, I'm very big on kissing. Like, when I write books, I make sure, like, I draw it out, and I make my characters have, like, the best first kiss. Oh, that's cool. Because I'm married, so I'm never going to get to have a first kiss Oh, again. you're done. Yeah, I'm done. You're done. No, I'm So kidding. my characters have to... Have their first kiss. <laughs> I remember my first kiss was uh, was really it was well it got spoiled because the doll deflated. <laughs> Did you bite her boob? No, she. I think I pushed her onto a thumbtack. <laughs> no, I. Uh, everybody remembers their first kiss. Uh, I don't really. My mom does. <laughs> <laughs> It was in kindergarten. So oh, oh, let's wait a minute. He, I'm he, talking about tongue. Oh, God. I'm talking about the real first kiss, not like pet and run away. Well, I pushed him in the trash can oh, wow. in front of my mom. Oh, wow. She was a teacher's aide. <laughs> my friend's married to him now. She has no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was the kindergarten masher. He was the kindergarten he was the bad one. When I was a little kid, I had—I uh, thought I had like five girlfriends in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> when and was uh, your first kiss? Who was your first kiss? Uh, real first kiss would be, it was a girl named Michelle. Uh, and actually, uh, it, it, hers was okay, but the other Michelle was great. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle number two. Yeah. Michelle, I don't remember her last name. We went to see the Rolling Stones. Nice. And, uh, in 75, and she was a great kisser. Best concert you've ever been to. What's the best concert yeah. you've ever been to? Well, let's see. Hmm. Uh, Pink Floyd. 
Yep. At the sports arena, I've seen them there six different times. Oh, I'm so jealous. The the reason that is, I can put that as one of the best concerts I've ever been to. My late friend Steve Hammond, who was a guitar player, I do a show on Twitch called Rule of Thirds with his son Devin. It's all about games, uh, retro games. Okay. And uh, Steve and I were really good friends. He was doing music on this movie I was doing back in the the 80s and we got to be really good friends but he was the guitar player for the offshoot band from Jimi Hendrix when Jimi fired uh, Noel Redding Noel Redding started a band called Fat Mattress okay and then Noel Redding was such an asshole the band he started fired him oh shit but Steve and I went to see uh, Pink Floyd in like 87 86 87 at the sports arena and Steve knew everybody because he had played on so many different albums and uh, he knew all the English musicians and everything, having been from England. And we're walking uh, to, it, this was at the old sports arena, which they tore down, but we went over to where the uh, they had a beer garden set up Okay. inside. And we went into the beer garden and we were getting some, uh, some bass ale or whatever. And a guy walks up to him and he goes, hey, mate, ain't seen you in a long time, blah, blah, blah. And Steve goes, hey, how are you? <clears throat> and the guy goes, yeah, I'm running sound here for the Pink Floyd now. You know, I'm engineering with them. And uh, Steve goes, well, great. You know, and he goes, hey, where are you sitting? And I had gotten seats that were kind of far back cause on the floor because at Pink Floyd, you don't want to sit in the front row. There's nothing to see in the front row. Right, right, right. It's all going on above you and in yes. front of you uh-huh. and around you. So he says to us, well, you know, fuck those seats. Come with me, mates. And he <laughs> takes us. To the soundboard, which is in the middle of the floor, uh. hands us headphones, uh. and we're smoking pot at the soundboard and drinking and watching Pink Floyd with headphones live. It was one of the greatest experiences for a concert. Uh. I would also say Linda Ronstadt was amazing back in the day. Okay. Uh, Sinatra and Sammy Davis was great with Liza Minnelli because it was a living fucking cartoon. <laughs> right. Um, Pearl Jam. Fuck yeah, okay. Fucking Pearl Jam. I'm going to tell you now, Eddie Vedder, that's one of the uh, man. Yep. I went down to see them in, uh, first time I saw them was at uh, San Diego Sports Arena. Uh-huh. And the lights go down, this was in 95, the lights go down and the spotlight comes out and what's his name, Zippy the Pinhead. Okay. Goes across the stage and the fucking Ramones come out and do their last live concert. Oh shit. In front of, yeah, they open for Pearl Jam. And then I saw Pearl Jam again at uh, the old uh, Irvine Meadows years ago. And uh, I had great seats right down, like fourth row. And Phil Jackson was sitting in front of me. And uh, it was fucking great. And, and they come out in, in Orange County. The band has to stop at 11 o'clock. Okay. And they get fined. Uh. And Eddie Vedder comes and he goes, well, it's five minutes to 11. I guess it's going to cost us sixteen or seventeen thousand dollars, and he plays to like one thirty. Nice. <laughs> oh, it was fucking great. They just played everything, uh. everything under the sun, and they did. Uh, uh, what's that from the the big song of the Departed? It was a uh, Pink Floyd's um, "Comfortably Numb." Okay. Which. Uh, he did a version of that, which was amazing, because later on, uh, Christ, like 20 years later, he did that live with Van Morrison. Okay. So, But that was another great show. Um, comedy concert-wise, I mean, prior, 
was amazing to see live. Uh, Carlin was amazing live. Uh-huh. Steve Martin, uh, uh, Franklin and Jai, uh, Robert Klein, Leno. Christ, Leno is just forget about it. Huh? Yeah, just an amazing. These are guys that when you see them live, it's. Uh, I've watched. I, I I like to watch Joe Rogan. I think he's hysterical. Uh huh. Um. I'm just trying to think of the guys that really, to me, make it explode when I watch them on stage. They really, they really, really pop the fucking room. Um, uh, uh, well, I said Jimmy Schubert. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man, I can't. Uh, some massages got me all melted down. <laughs> now. I well, see, I never got to see Pink Floyd, oh. but I got to see Roger Waters do The Wall. That's yeah. That was a good show. That was a good yeah, show. I was yeah. eight months pregnant. Oh well, there you go. And there was a big biker next to me, and for the baby was just kicking like an ass, and so I had my hand on it, and I was like, "Woo!" And he's looking at me, and I'm like, "It's okay, it's okay." And he's like, "You sure?" And I'm like, "I'm fine." <laughs> but uh, he, <laughs> you know, what was a great show. A couple of other great shows I saw it was the Ohio Players. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at Graham Central State. Nice. And also Tom Petty and uh, uh, what's uh, uh, the Black Crows. Okay. And one of the greatest shows I've ever seen was Earth, Wind, and Fire at the Hollywood Bowl. I could see that. That was, as a matter of fact, they were doing the song Reasons. We were in the front box right uh-huh. against the stage. And uh, this is in 1975, I remember, June of 75. And we were, like, drinking champagne and smoking pot to the point where we were legless. Nice. And they were doing the song Reasons, and uh, the lead singer came out, and he was doing the the high notes. Uh-huh. And they break and go silent while he's doing do 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 You know, uh-huh. he's doing the high notes, which I can't do. And he paused. And there was this silence for like five seconds. And I yelled real loud. I went, go on, blood. And the fucking place went crazy. Oh, I love it. And my white relatives who I'm sitting with are scared out of their fucking minds. <laughs> They're just, oh, my God, what'd you do? They're going to go kill us. And I'm looking at them going, who's going to kill us? Diana Ross sitting behind us? What the fuck? She's laughing. I mean, yeah, it was a predominantly black audience at the ball, but who gives a shit? Right. I mean, and uh, uh, it was a, it was really funny. Oh, I love it. See, and then I Hellstorm, that's a band that I love. It's a female singer, mm-hmm. and she has, like, Pat Benatar range. She's, she's fucking amazing. Yeah, Pat Benatar was oh. an opera singer. Yes. I did uh, the first TV show I ever taped doing stand-up was Don Kirshner's rock concert, and I did it with Pat Benatar, Molly Hatchett, and the police. And Bobby Kosser was the other comedian on the show. Now you said you wanted to, you came here to be a musician. Do you play or do you sing? What do you? I sing and play some harmonica. I still do blues oh, and stuff. I okay, a, blues harmonica is my had, favorite. Uh, well, I had a band that we were up at the old John Lovitz Club for a while. I had a jam there, Joey Pipes and the blues band Time Forgot, mm-hmm. and uh, that went really well. And that was that was a pretty good. I mean, there was a good club. There were good comics, but it's a horrible location to try to do a comedy. Right. Fucking insane to do there. Because Allison Chains has a song, Don't Follow, and it has like a huge harmonica solo, and it's one of my favorite songs. Oh, I love that song. I live tomorrow. (laughs) They're fucking amazing. I was listening to them. I was driving to a gig Saturday night, 
with my good friend Theo Manhattan. Theo. And I said, let's see, let's put on uh, Alice in Chains followed by ACDC. And then I put on this mix that I had that had like uh, Jay-Z and Eminem and all this stuff. People look at me at my age and go, you listen to that? And I'm going, yeah, why not? Why it's not? fucking rock and roll. What's yeah. wrong with you? You know, I mean, if you're, if you're put off by hip-hop, then you suck. Hip-hop is great poetry. There's a lot of great poetry going on. And uh, I like to listen to it. I don't have a problem. I like it. So if you and I had a show tomorrow and it just got canceled. So oh, where were you going to be? The dojo. Oh, that's too bad. That's a nice little spot. I know. I was sad. He just wrote me and he's like, it's canceled. And I'm like, aww. <laughs> but I took a I canceled a bunch of massages tomorrow so I could make it. And I'm oh. not going to reschedule them. So I get to go home early. Oh, that's good. I'm okay with it. All right, any parting words? Any last thoughts? Yes, I would suggest to all the young people out there, eat as much spinach as you can. <laughs> and remember, if you do smoke, make sure it's a cigarette that gives you mildness and good flavor. <laughs> that's right. And remember, whenever you're going to drink, don't drink and drive, kids. Drink then drive. <laughs> or better. pull over. Yeah, hang on, I'm, my nose is running. Here. That's good, your lymphatic here. system's moving. Oh yeah, my lymphatics are all emphatic. I got it, you're all emphatic. Oh yeah. All yeah. right. All right, well thank you so much for being here today, kids, and remember, uh, on your way home tonight, stop by that neighbor's house, and ring the doorbell, and just demand $50. What's the worst that can happen? You get $50. You might get 50 bucks. <laughs> Ta-da! And you survived. Oh, is that it? We're all... All right, that was my episode with Joey Gaynor. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Once again, please like, click, subscribe, comment. Anything like that helps. Email me at joyshappyendings at gmail.com. And once again, Care by Design, you guys are fucking awesome. Goodbye.